Hey everyone, my name is Chris Lambert and on this channel we talk Kanye West and today we are going through some Kanye news, uh, just articles, other uh, miscellany that's going on. Maybe one of the interesting things is at the end with uh, Kanye and his visit to the Rick and Morty offices. But we're starting off first with this article from Spin, uh, the most influential artists, number 23, Kanye West. And you can see that they're counting down the 35 most influential artists of the last 35 years. On the one hand, it's nice for Kanye to be recognized at all, right? 23 still feels maybe a little too low, <laughs> but I'm biased on that. And you can see that Max has a nice write-up here, uh, which you can't discuss the last two decades of rap without mentioning Kanye West. Uh, navigating the club or listening to the radio, watching award shows or scrolling your timeline, it's been impossible to ignore him. <laughs> For the first decade after he got his Rockefeller chain, he was untouchable. His talent and mount mounting accolades eclipsed his ego. West made thundering chipmunk soul and turned a spiritual crisis into a club record that spoke to the black community in his hometown of Chicago and beyond. You can already pretty much know where this article is going, right? <laughs> that it's starting off with the glory days of Kanye and then getting into the more complicated current days of uh, Kanye. But you can see... Kanye ditched the backpack and the bends in favor of high fashion and the stadium music of graduation, even though his narcissism knew no bounds. Just can't stop throwing those in. Uh, you couldn't deny the power of the anthemic tracks like Stronger and Flashing Lights. Equally important is transparency, sincerity, and conviction remained endearing. So there were still many flashes of brilliance, uh, talking about Yeezus, but it was clear why I become the favorite rapper of frat boys with egos larger than their trust funds. So this is where the article just starts to get into like kind of more absurd territory. Like he's the favorite rapper of frat boys with egos larger than their trust funds. Like many Kanye fans and many people that love Yeezus don't have trust funds, don't have large egos and aren't in frats. Though I say that as somebody that was in a, in a frat uh, but <laughs> it's just such a, a condemnation and narrow view of Kanye fans and who likes Kanye's music especially who likes Yeezus that uh like you can already tell that this seems like an article that Max didn't want to write but was forced into and then you can see here sadly so much of Kanye's career post Yeezus has been marred by music that pales in comparison to his earlier work which is not an unpopular opinion there are a number of people even people in the Kanye community right that are huge fans that feel that albums like Yay, Kidsy Ghost, Jesus is King, even The Life of Pablo aren't up to par to the earlier works but I'm still for the rest of my life will defend those albums as having way more merits than what people expect just because there's a reduced scope and scale on things like yay kids see ghosts and Jesus is King doesn't mean there's not also brilliance as Kanye moves into this minimalistic style and starts exploring that artistically. Like when you get into how he's using minimalism and how he's structuring those albums, the points he's making, how the songs are adding up into the concepts, there's a lot there to admire. Are they as purely musical or enjoyable as like pop music in the way that the early albums are? Like mostly no right like people aren't listening to a majority of jesus or not jesus is king but yay and being like oh 
like all mine and wouldn't leave or up there musically with all falls down. But that doesn't mean that they don't have an artistic merit and an artistic heft that those early albums don't have because they're just a different style, a different approach and not saying that the later albums are better, that the earlier albums are better. It's just Kanye as an artist has moved into new territory, which I think you similarly see with the Beatles, right? (laughs) I can see somebody rolling their eyes of like, you're comparing Kanye's like albums to the Beatles, but yeah, the Beatles started out very pop heavy and pop oriented. And then they had their artistic phase and they had some downright weird songs and weird albums that I think are mostly praised in hindsight or forgotten about to where if you go back and listen to the Beatles discography, you're going to come across songs that you're like, wait, what? (laughs) Like this is on this album. This is weird. This is bizarre. Or this album's just like downright bizarre, but it doesn't take away from the legacy of the Beatles the same way that yay has a lot of artistic merit to where it's not necessarily the most captivating pop music right but that doesn't mean that it's not good music so a little bit of disagreement with max here at the end of the article and we'll move on from there but at least kanye still gets recognized and i think this is important at least And one of the things I'm most interested in is that I think we're in the period of Kanye's career as we're approaching the 20 year mark, even though he's still active, we're starting to have enough time that the legacy of Kanye West is starting to get shaped and not just like reactions to things that he's doing now, but people starting to try to construct the main narrative around him. And I think that it's easy to fall into just these basic punchlines of what somebody's career was and those things kind of take hold in how people look back over Kanye like oh first half of his career was great second half not so much when I want to make it clear that the second half is still great it's just different from the first half and that needs to be how we're discussing Kanye's musical legacy moving forward with these last albums that it's not right just to dismiss them as weaker entries because a lot of music critics don't understand them because a lot of music critics aren't actually musicians or artists they're just journalists that talk about music so yeah that's me attacking the music criticism community Mm. anyway taz taylor so hip-hop dx has this article Taz Taylor is aiming to enlist Kanye West, Drake, and Travis Scott for ultimate internet money posse cut. So internet money, I said that weirdly, but internet money is the name of uh, Taz Taylor's production team, right? And they've done some bangers over the last couple years. When I was still writing a lot of hip-hop articles for Forbes, talking about the billboard charts, uh, internet money was coming up a decent amount for the work they were putting in on songs. Same thing with like Take a Day Trip, right? And uh, you can see that Taz Taylor, the head of it, is a big Kanye fan. And when he was talking about doing one of these posse cuts, uh, you can see here that it's trend in hip hop lately where producers and DJs assemble a star-studded cast of rappers uh, for a posse cut. He says, I want Kanye on a song. I study Kanye. Kanye's like my idol. The shit that he's done. I remember where I was when I heard Through the Wire for the first time and seen the music video with the Shaka Khan poster and him do all that shit. Kanye's my idol. So to work with him, to even just like conversate with him and pick up some game, I could really take the elevator instead of just taking the steps and learn the hard way. 
I like all paths are similar in some way. I feel like all paths are similar in some way, and he could give me some tips. But he would put Drake and Travis Scott uh, on the song with Kanye, right? Saying that he's into triplets. Bro, I love doing the two verses and a hook formula. Like someone on the hook and two people do two different verses. I love that, which isn't like all that different from what Kanye just did with Na Na Na, right? It's Kanye on the chorus and then DaBaby and 2 Chains on the two different verses. So you kind of have what Taylor's talking about in Kanye's latest song that he released. Uh, you got to put Drake on the hook for the melody, Kanye and Travis on the verses, and that's going stupid. It would be some My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy shit, bro. I'm taking it back to the greatest album of all time, and I'm trying to bring some crazy shit out, some cinematic shit. Go big on it. So I like Taylor's perspective. I think he should have written the spin article. Like, get Taz Taylor to write your articles about Kanye's spin. That would go much better. Much better. Uh, and then here... Uh, we have Hot New Hip Hop kind of struggling a little bit. So you can see Drake's 30-hour reference track for Kanye West surfaces with new snippets. And this is a couple years old. Uh, people knew that Drake had a writing credit on 30 hours. In fact, there was a little bit of tension because Drake wasn't initially credited, and then he said something about it, if I'm remembering correctly, and then he did uh, end up getting the credit on the song. There's just like a little bit of a, a delay there. And... They mentioned how Drake had actually brought it up in the uh, Duppy Freestyle, saying, Father had to stretch his hands out and get it from me. I pop style for 30 hours, then let him repeat. Which, yeah, I mean, I guess that gets into just like reference tracks in general, right? Like artists say how they would say some lines and how they would rap, and then the artist goes in and kind of either uses that, take pieces of that. I don't know if it's implying that like, Drake wrote all the lines to a song that's like very personally Kanye's past and backstory, <laughs> right? Um, uh, but it's at least kind of pointing out that like, yeah, I did work on this song and like, what? <laughs> uh, but you can see here that in this article, it talks about um, what, that there's a, a, snacken, a, snacken, a second snippet that recently came out. The part that got my attention is you can see from Find Your Love to Father Stretch My Hands, the pair have high success rate whenever they link up. We know that Drake did ghostwriting on the project, though it's unclear to what extent. What we do know is that he did actually work on 30 hours and had a reference track in the cuts. Though an official release of it will never see the light of day, a snippet did surface on the internet this year. Now another snippet of the record has surfaced in slightly better quality. Where did the, the part go that I wanted to kind of clown on? Oh, here. Drake and Kanye West haven't been on good terms for a while, but that may have changed. The OVO camp did send some CLB gear to Kanye, and while neither party has necessarily addressed making amends, it seems like a promising enough sign that they've mended their relationship. But this article that the guy wrote back in August, the Instagram post that he's using as a basis, which you can see it was this envelope that said, uh, what, to yay from Drake? To, yeah, here, right there in the middle. To Ye from Drake with the OVO Owl logo. This got posted on Twitter and I was like, oh my goodness. And then people pointed out that it was actually from like years ago. And the guy was just reposting it as kind of like a remember when just found this or like what a time this was kind of thing. Not like this just happened. It didn't. And here <laughs> they write this entire article about like a peace offering to Kanye. And even after it's debunked 
months later, they're still referring to it as like, he did send him some stuff. So maybe, no, it's been debunked. It's dim, It's been debunked. And then this article is from like, what? Okay, wait. It seems like a promising enough sign that they've mended their relationship. And that article links to something from June 22nd, 2018, which Drake appears to take a jab at kind of... Okay, so yeah, the article just a little struggling when it comes to like the details and timeline of Kanye and Drake, which, eh, but at least it has details. It's the only article I saw kind of talking about uh, this referenced like new snippet for 30 hours uh, that has been released. I haven't listened to it yet. Maybe I would listen to it sometime soon, but I honestly don't care very much, Hmm. which is just my default feelings on drake these days (laughs) uh and then here we have kind of the the main course of this video which is learned astronomer 28 posts dan Harmon talks about kanye episode of rick and morty and you can see they're doing this round table dan Harmon here co-creator of rick and morty uh creator of community right he really just says in here that uh Kanye visited the office and the writers tried to break the story of what a Kanye episode would be about. So that was essentially it. He just, he's asked if he's ever going to do a musical episode on Rick and Morty and said that when they were talking about doing an episode for Kanye, they figured it would be around music and have something to do with music. And that seemed like a time where that kind of episode might happen, but they would grow organically out of something like that. So that was all that he really mentioned about Kanye there. But you can see Learned Astronomer, not one to disappoint, came back with, if you would like to know more about Kanye's visit to the Rick and Morty office, listen to the end of this podcast. Mr. Harmon shares a story about the mysterious disappearance of a writer's hoodie that Mr. West asked to try on, then decided to discard. And... Oh, just a random audience member they happened to invite on stage. One of the reasons I stopped listening regularly. Oh, wow. Okay. So this is a photo of Kanye at the office, which is kind of funny. And Kanye posted this hoodie to Twitter after he went. Uh, There's like some alien drawings on the side. There's a story circle from Dan Harmon. There's Justin Roiland there, who's the other co-creator and does a ton of voices. And then like the whole crew behind Rick and Morty, it looks like. And... It's this podcast, which this isn't helpful. This is just a screen with a bar, but it's at 135 where they end up talking about Kanye's visit to the office. And the woman that I asked astronomer about is talking, she's this British woman and she keeps like interrupting (laughs) as Dan Harmon's trying to tell the story. And she starts off like very against Kanye and just being like, oh, Kanye's silly. Like I used to like him but not anymore, blah, blah, blah. And Dan Harmon's just like, I will not let anybody say anything bad about Kanye. Kanye's amazing. Kanye's a genius. Kanye was like the nicest person. He's a genius. He's amazing. Like Dan Harmon had so much praise for Kanye (laughs) and not like a, a bad word about him. It was like, he's a genius. He's a genius, but it could be difficult. It was just like, I love Kanye. And his time there was very special to me. (laughs) And it goes on for, I want to say, like, nearly 10 minutes, like the last 12 minutes of this. And it's Dan Harmon telling the story and another guy kind of keeps talking as well. But apparently Kanye starts talking about this hoodie and maybe not this one in particular, but he starts talking about how hoodies are so great 
and that they're like the ultimate clothing in America because there's something that people can afford, but they're also something that the wealthy wants. And they're this great like middle ground when it comes to fashion. And that there was somebody in the office, this Rob Schraub guy, <laughs> who apparently like Kanye loved, right? Even though he ends up clowning on him, Kanye loved this guy. And he was wearing this like kind of dumb sweater, like sweatshirt. And Kanye's like, what's that? Let me see that. And Rob gives it to him. And Kanye's looking at it and just like, this is garbage. This is trash. This is an awful sweatshirt. And uh, it was an H&M sweatshirt, which I can imagine why Kanye was hating on it, just generally speaking, because H&M stuff tends to fall apart. It's like Apple in terms of like planned obsolescence. (laughs) Every H&M thing I've owned within like a year or two years is just like crumbling. But it looks cool and is affordable. But uh, apparently Kanye like put it on and was saying that he looked jacked in it because it was so much smaller. And he was wearing it for a little while. And the bulk of the story is like Dan Harmon just being like, yeah, uh, nobody knew where the sweatshirt was. And then we looked and it was sitting in a garbage can. And everybody's just like, how did Rob's sweatshirt get in a garbage can? And Kanye's sitting right there. And they're just kind of like, hey, Kanye, did you throw Rob's sweatshirt into the garbage can by any chance, possibly? And Kanye's like, hmm. I guess so. <laughs> like it didn't even like cross his mind. And the girl starts trying to say like, Oh, so Kanye's just like this sweatshirt's trash and throws it out. And, uh, Dan Harmon's like, no, no, it wasn't like that. I just think Kanye is just on a level that when he was done with it, he's just like, this is like a used Kleenex. This is like a diaper. And he just threw it out, not even thinking about it. It didn't even cross his mind and <laughs> how he said it. I think he says at one point that like nobody else really like cared. They weren't like, oh, Kanye, what a jerk or like, blah, blah, blah. They're just like, yeah, it kind of makes sense (laughs) and accepted it. And he talks about like Kanye's bodyguard being there and how like scary the bodyguard was uh, and that Kanye doesn't let anybody say anything bad about Elon Musk, which he doesn't really elaborate on that. But Dan also said that he wasn't going to let anybody say anything bad about Elon Musk and that he thinks Elon doesn't let anybody say anything bad about Kanye. Uh, so it was just another time that we've heard from somebody, right. That a lot of people respect, a lot of people think has like genius level outputs or is just really good at what they do, who has met Kanye and has so much praise and nothing but praise for Kanye. And I'm sure there are people that do have bad encounters with Kanye. Like, uh, I just saw a story the other day about somebody that like Kanye just fired on the spots. And there was also a story the other day. Um, actually it came out a few months ago, but uh, I'm going to forget the guy's name. He's the guy that did what's up danger from the spider verse movie, which is such a great song and how it's used in the movie is incredible. And apparently boo is friends with that guy and brought him out to Wyoming and the guy just didn't hit it off with Kanye. Boo didn't like introduce him and the guy was a little shy and he was not saying the right things and Kanye kind of like blows him off and then the next day he's trying to like talk to Kanye and they're telling him that Kanye left and that he was like out of Wyoming. So the guy goes into the main studio just to try to talk to somebody and there Kanye's just sitting in the main studio And now pissed that this guy like interrupted his studio session and they sent him on a flight home the very next day. 
and Boo ends up calling the guy and is like, hey, you can't walk in on Kanye like that. And the guy's like, what am I supposed to do? They told me that, like, he had left. If I knew Kanye was in there, I wouldn't have walked in like that. But they told me he had gone. So that's one of those situations where it's just like that guy did not have a good experience. And even he was like, I'm to blame for, like, a lot of it. But how he's describing things, you're just like, oh, that feels very, like, cold. So I'm sure there's times where, like, people do have negative encounters with Kanye. But I think it's important with how much negative media is out there about Kanye for people to get a better idea of the fact that Kanye, for the most part and for most of the stories that are told, is very, like, humble, kind, listening to people and tends to just make a good impression on a lot of people that he meets and that most of the criticisms we hear are from people that have never had any interaction from Kanye or with Kanye right and that doesn't mean everything he does is great or everything he does is beyond (laughs) criticism it just is more to the idea that there's a lot of criticism that comes from people that may not necessarily know what they're talking about or have all the information or reacting to just the media version of Kanye or the like zeitgeist version of Kanye rather than the man himself, right? So that's all I got for this video. (laughs) If you're enjoying the channel and you want to support us, the easiest way is to like, subscribe, comment, as those things tell YouTube this is a channel people enjoy and they show it to others, which goes a long way. And then we're also on the march to 10,000 subscribers, which is crazy to me and very exciting. We're trying to hit that before the end of the year. We're currently approaching 9,300. So if you can uh, hit subscribe, you can unsubscribe, you know, 2021 or after we hit 10,000. But if you want to help us get there, that's much appreciated. And uh, until next time, stay wavy and keep it loopy. Cheers. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.